0: Hey everybody, welcome to the special vacation edition, episode 14 of Biz Dads. Andres and I are uh, out and about with the families on our respective vacations, celebrating the 4th of July. We've got a great show ahead, uh, dealing with our limited technology here, but uh, we've got 4th of July recap, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on in vacation. Some of those crazy stories I'm sure we've all experienced over the 4th of July. Talk a little about the name changes going on, the conversation in pro sports right now. with Live sports starting up, we'll talk a little bit about that. Some interesting things we've noticed on increased businesses and percentages of businesses that are up. We'll talk about some Learfield IMG in the college and uh, interesting things, something to do with the NBA. And we'll finish things off with your best 4th of July activity. Let's get into it this week's Biz Dads. So, Andres, you are in Missouri? What lake in Missouri?
1: I'm at Lake Thunderhead, which is uh, in Unionville, Missouri. Yeah, it's uh, on the border of Missouri and Iowa. My in-laws have a place here. It's a small lake, not very many homes, definitely not a lot of people now that the holidays have come and gone, but we're taking in nature. It's been nice. And where are you today, Brad?
0: We're down on 30A, Atlanta's beach community, as I like to call it. Seems like everybody down here is from the metro Atlanta area, but uh, the humidity is high, the waves are rolling, and uh, had a little bit of rain today, but it's been pretty good. We're mid-vacation, we got down here on Friday, Um, but how was your trip out? You you had a long kind of half cross-country drive, how'd it go?
1: It went good. You know, we uh, we left early Wednesday morning. Uh, I think we pulled out of the driveway at 530 a.m. And yeah, we were expecting a 14, 15 hour drive, ended up doing it a little under 14. You know, with with COVID and the news coming out last week that, you know, the government and authorities, I guess, were recommending to people hunker down and kind of stay home over the fourth. Definitely the traffic was way down. So we got here Wednesday night in time to have dinner. Yeah, it's just been nothing but waking up and going out on the water, uh, doing a ton of fishing, eating really good. My mother-in-law and father-in-law are terrific hosts, getting a lot of rest, watching uh, a lot of beautiful sunsets. The kids are definitely enjoying the water. It's been good to cool off.
0: Are the results in?
1: The results are in. It was interesting. So we took the tests on Saturday, as we talked about on the last show the urgent care told us it would be up to four days before we got the results so we got to win to tuesday night we had not heard the results and so we had to make a decision so we called up here my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and my in-laws were all here and had been here together for four or five days already and we we're like look we don't have the results we were planning to leave on wednesday hoping to have the results obviously negative and they're not in so what do you want us to do and they apparently took a vote around the dinner table and said just come so we got in the car not knowing if we had COVID or not and we felt perfectly healthy but uh the whole point was obviously to get the results before we left so we get in the car wednesday and we're like optimistic we might hear from the clinic um we got here we didn't hear thursday we didn't hear and so by that point, I'm like, well, everybody's either been exposed to us and they've got COVID <laughs> or we're all good. Finally, on uh, on Friday midday, uh, they called us at like three o'clock and said, uh, left a message and said, your results came back negative. Thank you. Goodbye. It was kind of anticlimactic, but we both, you know, we both feel good. We feel healthy. Obviously, you know, things are different in different parts of the country, but, uh, yeah, we, you know, I guess we we made it through that first hurdle, and we we were not shunned at the door by the family, which is good. Thank
0: goodness. Well, I'm glad the results are negative. I um, yeah, I decided I'm going to get a test when I get back. My buddy who just got back from Florida did that. His came back negative. You know, we came down to Florida, which is kind of a hot spot. Um, parts of Florida are really hot spots. We're down in the Gulf Coast area, which, if you're not familiar with where the 30A strip of land is, is between Panama City and Destin. Beautiful, you know. You, this is where we come down here with our families. Obviously, Andres, we've done, been down here a couple times together. Yeah, you know, beautiful white sand beaches and beautiful. The water is crystal clear. Pretty, pretty amazing. Few days here. We are here with another family, uh, who you know, it's, it's our other Latino family connection. Andres, we're here yeah. with the Gomez's. I will tell yeah. you, if you have uh, well, never been to to Porchlight Latin Kitchen, it's a must. And I will tell you, if you ever get the opportunity to vacation with an incredible executive chef at a red restaurant owner it is absolutely a must no offense to the food that we cook together when, when we're vacationing Andre Andres but it is not the same as Andres when you're talking about <laughs> uh, you know a guy that's competing against Bobby Flay on TV and you know was Kevin Rathbun's executive chef it's we have eaten very very well I bet you um, have but we've had fun you know um, plenty of beach the kids all play well together there's a pool at the house here which has been great. And, uh, you know, we've we've been wearing the masks everywhere, trying to limit where we go. I've Gone out to eat one time, had this incredible meal out to eat. But it was the restaurant kind of taking, you know, precaution and setting up the social distancing, um, which is good. But it's been, you know, I mean, you can't really tell. Everybody is wearing masks down here for the most part when you go out into public places, when you go into stores and whatnot. They're not wearing it on the beach. The beaches are crazy busy. But I think for the most part, people are respecting everyone's space. But the numbers are so high. I mean, we're we're both not in Atlanta and man, there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on in Atlanta right now. There's the our mayor, Mayor Bottoms, who has made national news here recently for the city of Atlanta. Is she was diagnosed last night with uh with the coronavirus. I don't know if you saw that, but she was just diagnosed. She was asymptomatic but tested positive.
1: Well, no, I, I didn't know that. I mean one thing about being in uh, rural Missouri um, on this lake is the town of Unionville, which is the closest you know town to where the lake is is population 1800 people uh, there's a There's a couple gas stations, a small grocery store, and maybe a watering hole but uh, but really, there's you know it's so remote, and we mm-hmm. haven't had the TV on all week. And the cell service is kind of spotty. So, you know, I know we're going to get into some of the news that's been making headlines. I did hear a couple of things coming out of Atlanta from my wife. She said the school had been pushed back to in terms of the start date. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. I did not know uh, that the Atlanta mayor had had tested positive. I mean, obviously, there's been a ton of news around sports over the last couple of uh, days in terms of players and stuff, which we'll get into. But. You know, one thing about being remote, I'm, I'm talking to you, Brad, as I'm looking out on this lake, and it's eight miles from end to end, and probably about a half a mile apart uh, across, and I'm looking to my left and right, probably about a mile each way, and I don't even see a single boat, I don't see one jet ski, um, I mean, it's so quiet, it's, uh, it's, it's just nice to kind of decompress. Um, yeah, you are totally definitely off good <laughs> we are so off the grid man it's uh It's kind of nice we've been fishing uh a ton, and uh I, you know you never know what your kids are going to like totally gravitate to. i know we we've done scouts together for one year, but uh but Renzo, my middle one, is like literally taken to fishing unlike I could have ever imagined. i mean we've been catching walleye we've been catching bass, we've been catching catfish we've been catching sunfish. It's been uh, it's been fun, you know a lot of a lot of family bonding time. Not a, a lot of electronics, not a lot of TV. So it's been uh, it's been good. So you're gonna have to fill me in a little bit on what's been happening in, uh, in sports and business. But yeah. it sounds like it's been a good vacation.
0: No, I mean we're you know we're halfway through. Um, my fishing experience has not been anywhere near yours. You know we shore fished. Uh, down here and all they're doing is eating my bait off the hook the, the fish in the <laughs> gulf are getting a lot smarter i guess all of us stupid humans trying to catch them from shore i yeah. did have my fourth of july i almost became a statistic you know we were down here for the fourth of july on saturday we didn't really buy any fireworks if anybody doesn't follow andre gomez from porch on social media he has a, 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 a he calls it his cousin an alter ego named jose sucio and uh, Jose Sucio cooks Taco Tuesdays at Porchlight, So we had a Taco Tuesday firework little kit that he bought, which was just this one thing. And we set that off and was like, haha, there's our fireworks. And everybody up, up and down the beach, you could see the fireworks in Destin. You could see the fireworks in Panama City. Everybody was firing them off. And this lady comes over, um, looked to be a mom just with her kids. And she said, hey, we bought all these fireworks. I don't know how to set them all off. Would you like to set them off for us? And I'm like, okay, um, sure. <laughs> Why not? And, you know, we were. she was really appreciative because her kids wanted these fireworks. And we got going, and we got through this whole bag of stuff. And then we finally got down to kind of towards the end with some of the bigger things. Needless to say, uh, I opened up half the box, not the full box. Had I opened up the full box, I would have found the mortar tube that these things go in. I proceeded to um, set off a mortar firework uh, on the ground, and it, uh, needless to say, was a funny yet scary moment, because the firework basically went off. <laughs> Luckily, nobody got hurt. Nobody was in distance. We had gotten way out of the way. But uh, once I saw that, I was like, that didn't look right. <laughs> I opened the rest of the box, wow. and there was the mortar tube. So we then shot the rest wow. of them off correctly without losing uh, an appendage and uh, becoming a statistic. But it was very, very close. Very close.
1: As long as there was no alcohol involved, um, it was. It sounds like it was a good accident. Yeah,
0: um, it was. Uh, it was no no alcohol involved. We were <laughs> uh, we were being smart, but um, needless to say, no matter how careful you are, you, you try to be, you can still make a mistake. So make sure you be careful out
1: there. Yeah, we. Uh, so for the. Fourth of July on actual Saturday, the city of Unionville did actually had a fireworks display. And I was reading uh, the paper on, I don't know, Sunday or Monday that like 80 percent of fireworks displays around the country were canceled, you know, due to covid. Well, this little pocket of the world, they had one in town on Saturday, but on Friday night they did one on the lake. I've never done a fireworks show from a lake. So we took the boat out and at 10 o'clock. Uh, there were probably a hundred boats. It was pretty busy on the weekend here, but, uh, there was probably a hundred boats. There's always the idiots that decide, you know, we're going to swim at night off our boat when there's a hundred other boats, like, uh, trolling around. So there's always somebody with fireworks, whether it's the influence of the fireworks themselves and they can't help themselves. There's tons of people shooting off M80s down here. I think it's something with Missouri. Um, you just got to have like (laughs) loud explosions off the shore and off your boat, but, um, yeah, it was a good fireworks show. We've had a good trip. Uh, we're going to be here until, I don't know, Friday or Saturday, um, just soaking it up and uh, heading back, you know, at some point to Atlanta, to the hot zone.
0: Yeah. Well, drive safe. We'll get uh, we'll get, get you back into Atlanta. We'll both be back in Atlanta for next week's episode. But, you know, one of the things that most of our, our fellow professionals are out there listening, you know, when you're a biz dad, you can't can't always totally disconnect it's hard right you can't shut everything off unless you're totally remote so I decided that I was still going to take a couple calls here and there but I've got these two major things that are starting like right now in my life and and I talked about one last week I think um, with EO the entrepreneurs organization and we had a kickoff for that today which was kind of this mandatory kickoff thing I had to do but I also joined this group um that Jesse Eitzler, Jesse Eitzler is um, was the founder of Marquee Jet. He's married to Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx. You know, global family, global couple. Everybody knows who they are, and uh, they're they're Atlantan, they're Atlanta based for the most part. Uh, famous Atlantans, and if you don't follow Jesse on Instagram or or Facebook or Twitter, it's definitely a good follow. He's a very unique individual who has incredible energy. And, uh, as an entrepreneur has continued to find ways to improve himself. And he created this, um, this thing that a buddy of mine did called a BYLR build your life resume. And it's all about these, you know, this balance, finding balance in your life and these incredible experiences and being focused on experiential success, not necessarily, you know, just things for business or compartmentalizing parts of your life, but ultimately creating, you know, big goals and, and, and reaching and working to obtain them. And so the second phase of this thing is called the Big Ass Calendar Club. And it literally is just that. He sets up this big ass calendar. It's like a desk calendar, if you could imagine that. And I decided to to sign up and, and give it a try. And there's these big goals that you work. It's all things that are important to you. It's customized for you. And you get to kind of determine how you're going to go about it. But we had the kickoff call yesterday. You know, you get energized when you are in a situation like that um hearing other people strive for greatness and uh this calendar club is it's going to be pretty interesting and I'll share a little bit probably every week you know some of the things that people want to do are things like launch podcasts well we we've, we've checked that box this year and they have these huge fitness and health goals and you know that's something that I want to really dig into but it's it's really cool I mean, I mean even being on vacation logging in and, and, and kind of participating in some of these things, kicking off the second half of 2020 when the first half was as crazy as it was. I am fully energized uh, and excited about these two massive undertakings. Hopefully I'm not biting off more than I can chew here, but uh, more to come on the big-ass calendar club. I'll, once we get this the post and the Twitter up, I'll have to send pictures of it because it's pretty fascinating. It was cool to find that you know these types of things I could jump into like I said I just hope I'm not doing more than I I need to right just to totally swamp my second half of 2020 I'm sure it'll all pay off.
1: That sounds awesome. I mean, I'm listening to you describe it. I can feel the energy that you're giving off. And kudos to you, I mean, for finding time to, you know, obviously spend with with the family down on the beach and and obviously with some great friends making memories. Look, I mean, the business world never stops and our careers, you know, we can't, unfortunately, you can't always just press pause. I ended up like you. I mean, I tried to take a a few calls on the way down. Um, I got down here, you know, we got here Wednesday, sort of midweek, knowing that Friday was uh, obviously going to be a day when most people around the country kind of took their 4th of July holidays. So Friday slowed down, but Thursday, I felt like I was, I was literally in the office. I was just trying to find like a good signal to take calls and kind of keep things going. Cause we had a big closing for the end of June that kind of bled into early July. And no, but I, I, I love what you're talking about. I, I've actually heard Jesse uh, speak before and, and yeah, everybody that's been in Atlanta for five minutes, has heard the phenomenal story of Sarah Blakely, you know, the story for Spanx. One one interesting tidbit, for a short period of time, for about six months, uh, I was a fitter, what they call a fitter for Spanx. So I got to spend some time at their corporate offices uh, when they were trying to create some men's Spanx products. Um, I don't know if all of them ever saw the light of day, but it was it was kind of funny <laughs> going in there. I didn't do it for the money, it was more for the novelty, but just an awesome, it sounds like an awesome opportunity for you and. A great group of people to continue to network and grow with. So, well, it's, I look forward uh, to hearing more.
0: It's it's terrifying. I I have been dealing with these emotions of excitement and fear for the last two weeks that constantly rival each other in a seesaw uh, fashion, you know, mentally for me. Because you look at some of these people who are in this group and Jesse himself, and they do these twenty nine oh twenty nine challenges and. These these challenges were basically they're running the equivalent of like climbing Mount Everest and they're doing these Ultraman races and these, you know, last man standing races. And I mean, look, anybody who's met me for a second or seen a picture of me knows that I ain't any of that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start my my babbing process, my building a better Brad to uh, try to get healthy, get in shape, continue to create some work life balance and, uh, you know. Try to, it, it's really cool because there's business there's personal and then there's family they break it down into kind of three segments so we'll see how it goes you know i've been using this beautiful scenery and the inspiration of being here on the coast to motivate myself and to reflect on some some opportunities that exist so it's been uh it, you know if i if anything comes out of it it'll be a very productive vacation
1: i don't know about you brad but like a few minutes in the morning or a few minutes at sunset either alone or sometimes it's with Like you guys are with good friends or your wife, you know, the kids are off doing their thing and you just kind of get a chance to reflect and like take it in, take a deep breath. One thing I've been doing every morning is trying to do like 10 minutes of meditation, going on a run, just, you know, kind of clearing the mind. Uh, Because when you're in the saddle and you're in Atlanta or any city around the country, I don't care where it is, like you just have this constant, you know, cadence of like doing things. And it's nice to be able to step back from it, get some perspective, and then kind of recharge the batteries. Not to mention all the uncertainty that's going on in the world with COVID and schools with you and I and our kids and our spouses. And it seems like every week, you know, there's just like new guidance coming out. And I've kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of taken to Heidi just saying like we just have to take a deep breath and take it week by week and know that it's – the new reality and things could change and likely will change between now and the fall. So we just got to live the moment up, uh, that we're in. And that means, uh, eating well, sleeping in, taking in the sunsets and trying to catch another big fish. That's right.
0: Well, good luck on that. Uh, happy fishing to you. You talked a little bit about school being pushed back two weeks. So I think school doesn't start now until August 17th for us. Uh, Cobb County did come out and say that they're not going to expect kids to wear masks, which I believe is a good thing because I mean, these kids aren't going to be able to actually maintain that in a healthy fashion. I think parents all took a sigh of relief when they realized that they were going to be able to uh, send their kids off to school again. Um, But at least we get two more weeks of summer, which will be fun. Uh, Take advantage of it out there. You know, I I, sitting here in vacation, any dad that's out there, you know, I don't know about you. I think I, I know this about you, but I don't know about all the other dads. I always get up earlier when I'm on vacation. Now we're central time zone. And whether it's being able to go fishing or getting out to go get donuts or run errands or whatever, it's the best part of the vacation. It's that quiet time, that reflection. To your point, um, I love it. I love to be able to uh, yeah. you know, have that, that time in the morning. Even if it's just catching up on emails and stuff, You know, it's, uh, it's peaceful. It's time you don't really get at home. Let's dive into a little bit of uh, the sports and business and things that are going on around the, uh, around the world of business and sports. Let's jump into it. So, Andres, a big talk around the sports world this week around the the name changes. It seems like everything is being analyzed and scrutinized on the meaning or core of the name, whether it's a school, a town, a professional football team. The Washington Redskins Mm -hmm. are at the core of this conversation. For years, the Redskins have been challenged be saying that it's a derogatory name for Native Americans – But now they're even going after uh, Braves, Indians. You know, the Chiefs haven't been mentioned. Your Kansas City Chiefs have not been mentioned at all. Even the Redskins, who have said, we're not going to change. Dan Snyder, their owner, who's usually a pretty controversial owner. Under the pressure of FedEx, their stadium partner and others, they're even analyzing it. Cleveland Indians are analyzing it. The Atlanta Braves came out and said they are not going to change their name. That they honor the Native American heritage and that they're proud to be called the Braves. What's what are your thoughts on this? Like, kind of where do you stand as a as a guy who comes um, has Latino ties? I mean, where do you fall in kind of how all this comes together?
1: Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I I'd say my my quick take is I think it's time that these franchises. Let's just take sports. Um, I won't, I won't start with cities and all the other things that, you know, we could break down in terms of this topic, but let's, let's just talk about the sports teams. My quick take, Brad is when, uh, the folks that are typically quoted and saying, you know, we honor the native American, uh, heritage and the native American, uh, population with our name. Uh, I think that's off the mark, um. I don't know how many of the folks that are making those comments or that they're representing the organizations when they're making those comments. I don't know how, I don't know how broad they are uh, casting that net when they're saying that that we are honoring. I mean, to me, um, some of the names are offensive, and I think you know whether it's the time that we're in now uh, or it's it's been a longstanding issue. If you look at the Washington Redskins, I mean, some of the names are just downright offensive. Uh and I and I'm for one, I'm okay, you know, supporting the change. Um I happen to be reading right now a couple of books on you know, some of the things that happened to Native Americans in the 1820s and 1830s actually that are relate to Georgia because it was the the Trail of Tears and the basically the removal of Native Americans from Georgia and Mississippi and Ohio. And some of the folks that were involved in that are you know, the folks that our counties and cities are named after. And I don't think most people know that. So without getting too much further into it, um, I'm personally okay with some of the changes. Uh, I don't know how far it goes. uh, And I don't know which organizations, you know, beyond the ones that you mentioned are considering the change, but I think it's, I think it's really important right now to, uh, to step back and kind of let the emotional, you know, fan element, go to the side, if you will, and, and, uh, recognition of our culture and our heritage as a country, um, you know, be a bigger, louder voice in this issue. So I'm for one, I'm okay with it, but, uh, but I'm just one person. And I, you know, I don't know where, I don't know where these groups, uh, in terms of ownership groups are going to come down. I did see that the Redskins ownership group, I don't know if they're split on this issue, but I did see that um, some of the minority owners representing about 40% of the equity in the team have decided to sell. I don't know if that has anything to do with this issue or not, but, um, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, what do you think of the issue? What do you think of this topic?
0: Yeah, I think it's a fine line. I think it's a very fine line. I think if you get to a point where um, you are trying to eliminate the derogatory names then I'm all for that. Um, If if it is something that the group specifically is offended by, then it needs to be addressed. I think it can go too far. I think we are at a pivotal point in, in our society where um, we can overdo it. And, and I mean, every single thing is going to be uh, analyzed and probably overanalyzed and criticized so I just, I really just preach caution and, and and understanding throughout all of this. I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, and right, the Cleveland Indians have been around, you know, for a hundred years. You know, how does that impact the tribal heritage of of you know the descendants from those tribes from that part of the country? I don't know. You know, are is that offensive to be called Indians? It Seems that if we're not calling anything, just an animal. There's room for someone to be offended. I think that we, you know, I'm not speaking directly to the happenings of today, but I think we run a risk of just being an overly sensitive society nowadays. And I'd like to hear from the groups specifically impacted by it as opposed to, you know, the news media and people who, you know, make the most noise who probably aren't even concerned with how the the main group that, that should be impacted by it feels about it. So I, I I hate to see my Cleveland Indians not be the Cleveland Indians anymore. But three years ago, they eliminated the Chief Wahoo uh, logo, which was this big smiling, you know, Native American with feathers. And I I'm fine. I, I get it. You know that could be offensive. It's cartoonish in nature. That kind of stuff can be eliminated. How is the Indian name you know impacting folks? I, I don't know. So it's hard to speak to. I, I I'm always cautious because I'm not in the group that is impacted by all of these conversations. I just want understanding for the people that are impacted. And I want an appreciation for balance from everybody else, because we don't always have to look at everything as being sensitive, you know, sensitive or demeaning. And I think that's my biggest concern for all of this. Sports are a symbol. Sports are supposed to be fun. Sports are supposed to be a release when you start to politicize sports, um, you know, it can do good, a tremendous amount of good, but you also have to find the right balance. Speaking of, you know, sports, uh, and politics, uh, the NBA, I don't know if you saw this, but the NBA and the NBA players association agreed on 29 social statements that, um, players can put on the back of their jerseys, the NBA, the WNBA, the G league, uh, Messages like vote or Black Lives Matter or I Can't Breathe, peace, education reform—twenty-nine different sayings—and that's created some some interesting dialogue. Even the owner of of the Atlanta Dream WNBA team, who is a state senator, a conservative state senator, senator, came back and and said that you know she disagrees with it. So it'll be interesting to see how many players jump in and use their voice for good, how many um, people you know, chirp and chatter about what it means. And and hopefully it's taken for what it's intended. And I hope the intention is to just continue to share a positive message to educate people, to find understanding. But, you know, I mean, again, interesting politics and sports colliding.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely here. We're in this moment right now. And I think you and I have, you know, we've not shied away from talking about topics that are difficult. That doesn't mean you and I have all the answers. And I don't think we've ever tried to create a show where, you know, we're necessarily trying to influence the conversation. I think it's just important to be willing and comfortable to be uncomfortable. Right. And so whether it's discussing uh, the names of teams or being willing to discuss, you know, the continued discussion, uh, whether it's on a jersey or, or in advertising of social justice issues, hey, I think it makes it more interesting. Sometimes it's more interesting than the games itself. Um, the, you know, the thing about what is going on in the NBA, and, and I, I guess maybe it applies more broadly in sports, is I think we are only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we are going to see over the next 20 years in regards to players becoming more and more active in organizing themselves to influence what they want to see or at least more of a shared message that they want to put forth in their leagues and um, uh, amongst their franchises. I mean, to me, the years uh, and the, and the era of the dominant owner um, whether that's kind of like a Jerry Jones type or somebody, I, I'm not saying that ever completely goes away. That would be naive, but I think what we're seeing in the NBA in particular, uh, and to some extent what we saw in the NFL with Goodell coming out and making the kind of Mia culpa and saying, you know, basically we were wrong and we, you know, he never mentioned Colin Kaepernick by name, but I think he recognized that they were off the mark. Um, I think that we're only at the beginning, Brad of, of, where players are going to organize themselves and start to realize their own power. Um, I don't know how comfortable that's going to make advertisers. I don't know how comfortable that's going to make fans. I don't know how comfortable that's going to make, you know, um, sponsors, but I don't think the players really give a, give a crap (laughs) anymore because they realize like they are the product and collectively they have a lot of power individually, maybe not so much, but I, I, I have to believe that the players in the NBA wanted that opportunity um, in terms of putting the messages on jerseys, and the NBA agreed to it. I mean, do you see it any other way? I
0: think the NBA. Do you think the NBA
1: said? The NBA, I think, has always been much more progressive, right? In terms of the progressive leader of the
2: big four,
0: yeah, and they they, that was that started with David Stern it has continued with, uh, with Adam silver. I think it will continue with the individuals that make that sport. What it is. The NBA is a superstar sport, uh, superstar yeah. sports like the NBA are very much going to be more active and more visible in the space. They're smaller teams, you know, more visibility for those individuals. Uh, and those personalities like LeBron James, the best player in the sport right now, coming out and saying, you know, he taking, the lead it it happened with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, Jackie Robinson. Um, you know, you're just seeing more of it now. And I think the biggest thing is just finding again. I, I use this term all the time, and listeners probably get tired of hearing about it. But finding balance, balance in how the players and the owners work together, balance in how the fans are engaged in these types of movements. You know, understanding and empathy around all three legs of the stool you know, the players, the ownership and league and the fans. It's gotta be balanced. And and I mean if you go too far, the message gets lost, it becomes overly controversial and no change happens. If you can find a constructive and and, and impactful way like this, I mean I, I've got nothing against this. I think these players should be able to use their voice and use their their, their persona, their their image to to help create change. I don't think it's necessarily – I don't think players need to to take it too far. I think um, the way the NFL reacted to the Kaepernick situation is interesting because, you know, again, you have to understand what Kaepernick was trying to do. It's a fine line when, when you start talking about patriotism and the flag and honoring, you know, the soldiers and and how that protest was targeted towards, you know, police brutality – there's a fine line there, and 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 that's where things get muddied. Why Kaepernick, you know, was so controversial was because you had two very different sides of the
1: aisle. I mean, with Kaepernick, to me, the issue got politicized. I I always thought that what he was trying to do was bring attention to injustice, racial injustice, police brutality, and what I felt like happened is he got you know labeled as being anti-American, not in, not not in favor of our you know our our basically our you know, our liberties. And I'm not surprised, frankly, that a lot of players here in the last six, 12 weeks have come out and said that this isn't about not defending the United States and our constitution and our freedoms and our, you know, men and women in uniform, that it's not about that. It's about recognizing, you know, that there is systematic injustice, there's racial injustice, and this is our way to bring attention to that issue. But yeah you know, that's agree just with you. how
0: I see it The problem yeah. is all of these things get politicized through yeah. the twenty four hour news cycle and and my point is simply this there's got to be a way to get these messages across that are that, that cannot be perceived negatively on one side or the other. Easier said than done, but can we work to find those avenues? can we work to create right. bipartisan conversations that, um, that aren't controversial because you're not talking about, it can't be confused that you're challenging patriotism and, and veterans and what that flag stands for. It can't be, you know, uh, whatever, whatever other side of the argument can, can, can be like, how do we avoid that? How do we create a conversation where people will listen easier said than done? But even the damn coronavirus is being politicized. And, and that's where I get annoyed and angry is a guy who kind of lives in the middle, um, wants to find balance. How do you, how do, you do that? And how yeah. do these voices get heard? And how do sports become a platform for change as well as a place where people are still able to love and enjoy it because that's its intent? And while they're loving and enjoying it, have their eyes open to some of the social issues that we face um, again, easier said than done yeah. I don't have the answer. I don't expect anybody else to have the answer. I'll probably make more people unhappy with this line of thought than than happy. but at the end of the day it is it goes back to the overall theme of just finding some level of balance and understanding and empathy, and we're not going to do that if we do continue to find ways to politicize you know. Sports actions, athletes comments, et cetera
1: yeah no I I look I think one of the things that I've tried to do I guess in my life and I'm not preaching here but I'm just I, I guess I try to go a little bit more inward and try to get a little bit more educated on the issue um, you know interestingly enough, a podcast has a way of kind of forcing you to have an opinion to be willing to co- talk about an issue and sometimes that's not easy sometimes you you stumble and you don't say the right thing the first time, but it's why we're doing this show, right, Brad? I mean, as dads, as fathers, you know, we fail. We talk about that on the show, like the dad fails. And it's okay to fail. And I think what you're trying to say, and I agree, is that you're not always going to have the perfect take. You're not always going to have the perfectly formed opinion on an issue. But shying away from talking about it, being unwilling to get into the issue, being unwilling to talk about it, And just kind of anchoring around a position, I think, is what you're saying, isn't necessarily the answer. It's being willing also to recognize that somebody doesn't necessarily have it out for you because they don't share all your opinions. And I think that, you know, as a country and whether it's in sports or it's with COVID or it's, you know, whatever the latest topic is that's important as our country is that we got to be willing, you know, as parents, as fathers, I think, to try to raise up our kids to understand indifference, recognize that for what it is, call it out when you see it, but also recognize that our great country that we live in, you know, is so great because we do have differences and we do celebrate those differences. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to see eye to eye on every issue. Well, and listen, um, for,
0: listen for the intent when you're talking to someone. I think if, you, if we spent more time listening um, and trying to really understand what somebody's saying, as opposed to latching on to a set of words or a singular thought and um, running with that, and then thinking about how you're going to argue back, uh, we'd be we'd be a lot better off too. Because the you know if the intent is understanding, if the intent is uh, is sympathetic in nature, if the intent is just simply to you know think out loud on what your thoughts are because you may not have a clear and concise argument. That person should be there to help you articulate it and talk through it, not be there to just argue. So it's um, for me, I I think more people need to listen for, for overall intent because you will also know pretty quickly if someone intent is, is, is different than yours. Uh, And if you listen closely for it, you'll be able to have a much more, thoughtful and educated conversation and actually maybe create a difference of opinion, um, or, or create a different opinion for that individual. So anyway, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I mean, you know, we're going to hear a lot more about it. The NBA is, is now in the bubble. Tests are coming back positive. I think it's still still pretty low. You know, the NHL has decided on, on kind of where they're going to be major league baseball's back. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of sports that, I mean, in the next three to four weeks, Uh, we'll have a lot of a lot of sports to talk about Um, big names like freddie freeman uh, from our atlanta braves tested positive you know he's gonna have to sit out for a few weeks you've got a couple MLBers who are sitting out all together and not going to play in the season i mean everything from coaches to to players so it's good to see everybody's kind of got their own the opportunity to make their own choices but you know, I, I mean, I'm interested to see how this whole season looks from a Major League Baseball standpoint, from an NBA standpoint. What do these players have to say when you start putting microphones in front of their faces?
1: No, yes, as you're, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about all the ramifications that you mentioned uh, that leagues are having to take into account with respect to COVID. And I'm also thinking about, like, you and I going back home, you know, in a few days, back to, to Atlanta, one of the big, you know, cities. You know, that's had a spike in in covid cases over the last you know, couple of weeks. And I'm thinking here I am sitting on the banks of a of a lake that I can just, you know, go jump into at any time. And meanwhile, we got an email a couple of days ago from the little swim and tennis club that we, we were so desperately hoping, you know, can open up for part of the summer and the, like the list of rules and, and guidelines and documents you have to sign to be able to go up to the pool. It's just, it's just a constant reminder like we live in a different time and you just have to be able to just take a deep breath and kind of accept that, you know, this thing is kind of hunkered down on us for now. And hopefully people continue to make smart choices and good decisions. And, you know, in three, four months, who knows, maybe it's longer. We're, you know, we're looking back and we're just remembering, you know, how we got to this point, but, uh, but gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's not just sports. I mean, it's, it's, it's the business world, it's schools, it's all this stuff that, you know, when you're on vacation, you kind of have the ability to sort of I don't know. You can't take your mind off of it. Obviously you're in Florida and you're in a busier part of the country, but down here, I remember in one of the earlier shows, you talked about how nice it was to think it was be at the lake and just free from all the, the stress and the worry. And I certainly, I'm certainly feeling that way, you know, here. Well, um, hold on to it, I'm, bottle it up and bring it back. Cause <laughs> yeah. you're going to need it.
0: But you know, there is some yeah. positive things going out there in the world. I, I do think that 4th of July, we're going to be able to start to celebrate our independence on things you know like this coronavirus and the economy and you know job numbers hopefully continue to increase there's a lot of areas where spending is up you know home improvement spending is up 40% i think that's been pretty steadily climbing during the pandemic furniture sales are up 28% sporting equipment is up 48% the you see massive acquisitions like uber eats which is part of uber obviously bought Postmates. So now you've got Grubhub and Uber Eats. They're up 186% um, with the food delivery services through this whole thing. It, I mean, I think the economy is heading in the right direction. Um, and I'm starting to have more and more conversations with folks who are quote unquote, getting back to work.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I definitely see the uh, the, the positive momentum of the economy. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to look at how that stock market is just kind of generally been on a tear since, you know, mid-March. It feels like it's ahead of where the economy is. My my mom's husband, um, he works for a major manufacturer called Spirit Aerosystems, and he's been, you know, told he's coming to work, not coming to work, coming to work, not coming to work, and he just found out this week that he's not going back until September. And, you know, they employ, you know, 10,000 people at the, you know, aerospace plant there in Wichita. So, You know, there's definitely pockets of the economy that are grinding back. Um, You know, I, I am fortunate to work in financial services, which has been one of the sectors that's been hit less hard, although there's a lot of people that are opening up their newspapers today and seeing the full list of who received PPP loans. And let me tell you, you know, Wall Street sometimes just can't seem to get out of its own way. You see this list of companies that received, you know, PPP loans and you talk about the latest hot potato, you know, when you see headlines with billion dollar investment firms getting, you know, loans, it starts to sound like bailouts, you know, and there's so many nuances to it, to your earlier point about get informed on the issue before you kind of offer an opinion. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing and seeing the same same things, Brad, uh, as you're out and about, like, it feels like the economy is, is kind of grinding back a little bit. Although, you know, we both know people that have been severely impacted and, you know, they can't get back to work and get back to full yeah. wages quick enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we're all going to have, our circles are going to have these struggles, um, that, uh, are not going to end anytime soon. I think, um, you know, for us, the, we don't know what the fall for trenches, we don't know what the fallout's going to be yet. You know, mm-hmm. the PPP loan, um, we're still only, you know, a couple months into that. Our, our, Believe it or not, our eight-week period just ended a week or so ago. And, you know, things have been okay. I mean, we've got a couple things that could be great and, and blow the door open. we got a couple things that those don't come through. You know, we could be sitting here with, you know, uh, October to November going, well, what the hell? What do we do now? And how do we make these last few months count? So I'm trying to do everything I can to not get to that point, right? And the good news is people are still talking. They're still, I think, energized about what the future holds. It's just, I, I think the, the real big question is going to be, what is the long-term fallout? You know, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody has a crystal ball. We don't know what that's going to be, but hopefully it's all positive. Hopefully things like seeing these spendings up, seeing the stock market doing what it's doing, jobs getting back together um, or, or, or cranking back up, um, we we have a positive outcome. So, um, you know, one of the things that, Uh, I I think we need to just continue to touch on here is find some positive and on some of this. So um, at least we're both on vacation. It could be a lot worse. We hope all of our listeners out there are, are in a good spot. And if we can help, you know, I know we both are willing to, to help any way that we
1: can. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. I mean, I, I've, I've, been in i guess a fortunate enough position that i've i've like you built a lot of great relationships over the course of my career and that's you know one of the things i think that's a little bit of a i think a high a high value in our in our system of how we operate brad is you and i both you know are big relationship people and uh you try to take care of people and yeah 100 percent, man like there's nothing better than being able to help somebody make a connection get an introduction you know they're looking for a job or they're trying to find somebody to, uh, you know, to break in. So I, you know, I've, I've been able to take some of those calls and it's been, you know, it's been humbling, but at the same time, it's been rewarding to be able to say like, Hey, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? And you know, the, uh, whether it's, you know, a job that somebody's just lost and they're, they're trying to get back on their feet or it's, you know, they're looking to change industries. Um, there's just a lot of uncertainty to your point. And I think the one thing that this, uh, you know, COVID pandemic has, you know, reaffirmed for me is that there's always going to be uncertainty around the corner. That the one thing we can never do is kind of be more prepared, right? And um, you're the best thing you can do to be prepared is doing the stuff like you're doing with, you know, getting involved in uh, different leadership organizations. The thing you talked about uh, earlier in the show in terms of the big calendar, the big vision. Um, I'm, I'm reading a a really interesting book. It's kind of my, one of my light summer reads it's 50 cents or Curtis Jackson, I guess he's got the dual persona and this one's a little bit more Curtis Jackson, although he gives plenty of insights from, you know, uh, his, his rap career. But one of the things he talks about is, you know, just having a, having a crew that will have your back and said in a different way. It's just what, what is your, what is your network? Like, who are the people that are going to have your back? And this is a time in which you've got to be willing and comfortable enough and humble enough to lean on that network, you know, whether it's to find your next gig, um, to find another customer, you know, to find another sale, not being too proud uh, because it's it's so critical at a time like this with all the uncertainty that everybody's dealing with.
0: Well, look, I got uh, we both got to get back to the families. Let's enjoy our vacation. Hope everybody out there had a great Fourth of July. Let's finish up with this week's Final Four. So a little positive note to end on here, Andres, give me your best 4th of July activity. What do you love doing on the 4th of July, whether it's you individually, something you get to do, something you do with the family, what is it?
1: So usually the 4th of July is kind of like a week-long trip for us, and typically on the 4th, I am usually back home uh, where I grew up in Newton, Um, and I, I have the kids and Heidi along with me, and I play uh, in a fast pitch men's fast pitch tournament that's been going on in Newton for the last 71 years. Um, it's the oldest Mexican American men's fast pitch tournament in the country. And I've been playing in that tournament since I was, I think 15. And I've only missed a couple of years this year being one of them, but they did have the tournament this year. Um, so that's normally what I'm doing. And it, I don't know, man, for me, it's just like a tradition that I've grown up with. It's a big part of our community back home. It's a really big part of, of my dad's life and has been a big part of his life, for, you know, for decades. So how did and Bambi's he passed that tradition. team do? Yeah. We didn't have an entry this year. Uh, oh. couldn't, we, we didn't have enough guys to get a team together. So, so Bambi was more or less a fan uh, in support. Uh, but, but there was a team out of uh, a Native American team, actually, out of, um, out of Oklahoma City and Tulsa that won this year's tournament. So I'm hopefully going to be back there next year. Cool. That's my that's mine. What about
0: you? Twist, you've been quiet this episode. We've hopefully made you happy. <laughs> What's your top 4th of July activity?
2: Well, I don't have a tradition like Andres, but I mean fireworks are a must, but this year I think we have to have a new tradition because there's this new viral game that people are playing on social media that is so dumb and dangerous or can be so dumb and dangerous. It's where You have a bunch of people and you have a bottle and you spin the bottle and wherever it lands, that person gets to throw whatever the ball is that you have and just chuck it at the people. But you typically don't play with the ball. You play with eggs or like something crazy like people on social media are being so crazy with it. But we just played with eggs and we played 12 eggs or 24 eggs that we all just played for so long and the parents were dying laughing at us because you just get the egg and you just chuck it at people and it's like a Russian roulette type of game. I it weep, was very intense.
0: Weep, weep, weep for our future. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Alright. Mine's boring. I'm a big, I, I'm a fireworks guy. I love the near-death experiences and, and watching other people's, you know, terrific fails. Um there's some funny funny ones I saw this year on uh on social. So fireworks is it for me. Um but you know, I think as a good fourth one, a good wholesome uh we need to give a nod to the Peachtree Road Race, Atlanta's own Peachtree Road Race, the world's largest 10K yeah. with like 65,000 people. 10K. They didn't get to have it this yeah. year. That's always, uh, my I know. wife loves yeah. doing
1: that. That is a huge one. It's fun. I, the only time I've ever done that, I uh, I made the mistake because I was a r- rookie, and the people that have run it, they have a system down. Um, but I was like in one of the last waves to go, and it's, of course, Atlanta, and it's July 4th, so it's usually 90 degrees um, by 8 in the morning, or at least the humidity feels that way. So I ran the whole race, and then I got down to Piedmont Park where it finishes, and they've got all the beer tents there's 20,000 people having a great old time. And I realized I don't have a way to get back to my car. <laughs> so I ran, I ran the 10K and it was awesome. And then I got to Piedmont Park and I'm like, crap, I got to get back to my car. So then I ran six miles back to my car and uh, I haven't run that race since.
0: <laughs> Smart. I've done it twice. So you know it's doable for all you dads out there if I've done it twice. Um I'm more of a spectator. I'm really, really good at donning the old Star Spangled Banner, the red, white, and blue, and um, heading out there to cheer on our group, uh, making their way down Peachtree. So happy post-4th of July to all the Biz Dads and listeners out there. Hope everybody is ready to uh, celebrate our independence from the crazy first half of 2020. Let's make it a great 2H 2020. All right, Biz Dads, we're out of here.